our brain does habituate the things when we don't um, pay them too much attention anymore, when we treat them as a, as a non-threat instead of a threat. And the yeah. reason why is, is fairly straightforward. You know, most, um, um, you know, imagine if a, if a fish um, in a pond um, sees a new thing that's just fallen into the pond, like, uh, you know, somebody throws right. a big rock into the, into the pond right. and now there's a rock there and the, and the fish is afraid of it at first. And then, uh, starts to recognize that, that the rock is not a threat. Now, it doesn't right. make any sense for the fish to be um, continuously sort of terminally yes. yeah, afraid right. of this rock right. anymore right. because right. you know there is a bigger fish in the pond that could eat that fish. And, and it's going right. to be very important for the right. brain to habituate to the rock so that it Love can it. focus on the right things. Hello and welcome back to the Altering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. And this podcast is all the science-based tools and tips and strategies that you can use in order to successfully habituate to your tinnitus. Today's episode releases while I am on holiday in Cartagena, Colombia. I am visiting my in-laws together with my uh, wife. And uh, yeah, we're having a great time here with a lot of sun escaping the European bad weather and winter, getting that vitamin D in that is so vital for us uh, feeling good. <laughs> and yeah, we really are taking a break here taking a little bit of a break from our amazing Tinnitus online community. Um, but today I have a special episode that I wanted to share with you because today launches the Kickstarter campaign for the Uni headphone. This is a, a project that I'm passionate about by heart. And today you will get to know um, the founder of the project. Uh, his name is Daniel Glass. He's a clinical psychologist. So he has one or the other interesting insights to share about um, therapy as well and uh, the cognitive behavior th therapy in general. So I think this episode will be really, really beneficial for all of you guys who are interested in the topic in general. Um, Daniel and his company are founding a headphone. Uh, they're working on a headphone for people with unilateral hearing loss or unilateral deafness even. So it's super interesting to see that they're working on something that people can use who have uh, difficulties with hearing in only one ear and to bring them stereo sound. And if you haven't been able to check out our online tinnitus management community where you can use and access weekly videos, online courses, an amazing mix of people from all over the world who manage tinnitus successfully and how to learn on how to habituate to your tinnitus, then join us for an absolutely free trial at www.mytinnitus.club. I'll see you over there and I hope you are enjoying this podcast episode with Daniel Glass from Uni Headphones. Find all the links in the description below, but let's do the intro and get right into the episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by Linear, an evidence-based treatment for tinnitus, which has been shown to improve tinnitus symptoms in large-scale clinical trials and real-world patients. Linear retrains the brain by playing soothing sounds and providing mild electrical stimulation to your tongue. It's now available throughout Europe and its latest clinical trial results were recently published in a Nature Scientific Journal. To find out more about Linear, where it's available and read about the research behind it, visit www.linear.com forward slash outring. That's L-E-N-I-R-E dot -E com forward slash outring. 
Yeah, welcome back, everyone. This is Frida, your host on the Altering Tinnitus podcast, where it's all about uh, myth busting around the topic of tinnitus, hearing disabilities. And today I'm especially excited to have a new guest on the show. We have uh, Daniel Glass today on the show. Daniel, um, I connected with Daniel originally um, uh, via Carly Sagrove, um, the hearing and tinnitus coach that we recently had on this podcast as well. So if you haven't checked out that episode, I strongly recommend you do so. But um, it was very, very interesting. Carly connected us due to one specific reason. Um, and I think it's probably better, Daniel, if you introduce uh, yourself first, and then we get into that specific reason why Carly connected us. And I, I can only share so much already with the listeners. It has to do with my single-sided deafness. So welcome to the show, Daniel. It's amazing to have you here. Please introduce yourself to us. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me. Um, yes, I am a clinical psychologist. Uh, by day, I do a lot of work with anxiety and OCD and phobias and uh, treating children, adolescents and young adults mainly. Um, and the reason I'm here today is because um, my company, uh, Uni Technologies, um, is launching a new product called the Uni V2, which is a headphone for listeners with single-sided deafness so they can hear as close to real stereo as possible with a single ear. So the Uni is a headphone that has both stereo channels in a single ear cup, one above and one below the ear. So you can hear 100% of the music if you have single-sided deafness or single-sided hearing loss. You're not missing any of the sound. And the benefit of the Uni as opposed to some solution that would collapse the sound into uh, a mono signal yeah. is that you get the stereo space, you get the, uh, the sense of stereo panning left and right. The sound is uh, wide instead of cramped. You don't get the, um, the kind of signal interference that you might um, if you had uh, both stereo channels coming out of a single um, uh, source. Okay. And so, yes, yes, uh, that's, the, that's the product. And we're very excited to bring this new uh, Uni V2 to the market. Awesome. See, already learned something new um, about audio processing details, etc. And uh, of course, that's especially for me is super exciting because I mean, for those who are listening to this podcast on YouTube, you will be able to see that I am wearing my um, usual podcast headphones here. And I've recently also discussed a lot on whether I should buy myself some new noise canceling headphones. But I, for me, it's always like it hurts a little bit, not only in my pocket to spend $300 on new headphones, if I know I'm only using one side effectively. <laughs> And, and like I'm like you know I, I don't even I don't think I can really even fully benefit and 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 enjoy them. So when I when I when Carly told me about your product, I was immediately intrigued and I thought this is so awesome. And uh, unfortunately, um, my business is not yet in the billions of dollars, so I could immediately jump into massive funding of the uni. But uh, I said I will do everything in my power. So I have you on the podcast today. We want to talk a lot about um, the possi possibilities and the potential of, yeah, not only unilateral hearing loss, but for people who um, really have single-sided deafness or um, experiencing problems with tinnitus in one ear and maybe want to uh, focus on uh, uh, listening or experiencing stereo sound on the ear that's uh, still a little, little bit better in hearing ability. So 
yeah, it's it's really cool to have you on the show. And maybe you can just um, uh, uh, take us on a small journey of uh, how the project actually came to life and how you actually thought like, hey, this is something that we really want to do because it's so important that, you know, so many people who have these problems, unilateral hearing loss or single-sided deafness, they actually never get to benefit stereo sound. Exactly. And so um, the project first began when I met the woman who is now my wife and we began dating. And at some point she told me that she could only hear out of one ear since birth. Which and one is it? Which side? Which ear? Uh, it's the right side. The right so, side. So, okay. The other yes, way around she, for me. Sorry for interrupting. Sorry for interrupting. No, that's okay. Um, and, uh, and as a side note, it is you, you, you get used to when you have a partner standing on a certain side of them and talking yep. to, you know, on a certain side of them. And then yep. um, a few years yep. later, I had a coworker um, who told me that she was deaf on the other side. And actually, it was a strange adjustment while we were walking and speaking to actually be on the other side. And it, it was sort of a, uh, yeah, one of these things that you don't recognize that you're sort of learning as a habit until it happens. Um, yeah, yeah, but at the yeah, time, sure. we, we, I met her and, you know, I, I've, I've always been, you know, uh, big into music. I, I played music for a while. I'm listening to music and I was curious and I said, what kind of headphones do you use? And she just said, oh, they're normal ones, you know, whatever. Your yeah, buds, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Whatever she yeah. told me. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, but you, you, you collapsed into mono sound maybe so you can hear both channels. And she goes, what, what, you know, and so what I, what I learned quickly is, you know, there are a lot of people for whom um, the idea of stereo sound is not necessarily on the forefront of their mind. They might know if they heard stereo sound, right. like, oh, right. this is different, but but because they, they don't hear it, they don't always think about that as being a thing. And some people right. don't even know that they're missing half of their music. And so I thought, right. okay, well, you know, this will not do. You, you can't be missing half your music. So I went to the internet and I sort of looked up the different options that were out there and I wanted to get her a headphone. And I did find they had a um, a single earbud that was basically uh, collapsing the two stereo channels to a mono signal. And I got her those. I tried them out. I did not feel like they were, um, you know, uh, the, the sound was not, you know, what I would consider to be great. I think there was a lot of interference um, with the two signals where, you know, mm. if you um, have the two waveforms that are on top of each other, they can cancel each other out and uh, boost uh, other, right. other frequencies. And for whatever reason, you know, it was not, so right. I did give it right. to her. I don't think she ever used it. Um, I think right. that, um, that she felt that, um, well, she's calling attention to herself if she's using a, a single-sided earbud. And if somebody in public decided to talk to her into her other ear, assuming yeah. that she had a free ear, she yeah. said that would be embarrassing. So I, yeah. I, I quickly realized there had to be some other solution. I was taking some psychology classes uh, at the time uh, as part of my coursework. Um, and uh, I've been thinking a lot about the idea that, um, uh, we localize sound in space, know where it comes from in a kind of a left-right plane because we have two ears. That's that's yeah. the, the sort of evolved reason for stereo yeah. Uh, yeah. hearing. Yeah. However, we also have the ability to localize sound in vertical space. Um, uh, and basically our outer ear is shaped in a certain kind of way, that very characteristic shape of the human outer ear. And that changes the frequency of sounds whether they come from above or below the ear and if you were to rub your fingers together to make a noise yeah above and below your ear um Sounds different you would hear a difference exactly wow. and, and yeah. you know what what you perceive the brain works out the calculations you know unconsciously essentially and and you think oh the sound is coming from above me or below me what's actually happening is the the sound is being transformed by the outer ear in terms of its frequency 
and the brain is making that calculation automatically. So it occurred to me that um, if we have that trick, we can use that trick as a substitute for the uh, stereo uh, two-ear trick that, that most people would use. And so I ended up you know, creating a proof of concept with some uh, Apple earbuds and a little uh, plastic Tupperware and said, oh, this I can hear stereo kind of in nice. this one ear. And so we, yeah, we, we developed the product from there. Wow, awesome. And now, because um, you said it's the Uni V2, so that sort of like induces or links to the fact that there was a V1 yeah. already and you're creating a second, more improved, more feasible, more market-ready product now? Or, or what is it? Yes, is it? Um, yeah? gl glad you asked. Yes, so the first uh, incarnation of the Uni was launched on Kickstarter. Uh, it might have been 10 years ago. I've completely lost track of time oh, wow. at this point. And wow. um It was a 3D printed headphone. Um, it was uh, individually hand assembled as happens with 3D printing, right? So we, we wow. have a, a partner um, who we started off in Massachusetts together and, and he's moved to uh, Virginia. And um, if, you, uh, if you were ever in Richmond, Virginia, um, you can check out uh, 3D Ideas, um, 3D Central. I, I apologize, 3D Central um, is his shop and um, you can go there and, and they have great uh, 3D printed stuff. But they, that shop was printing our uni. They printed the headband. They printed the ear cups. Um, the only thing wow. that wasn't printed was the electronics, the speakers and the right. wire right. And, the, and, and, and the ear pads. Um, right. And that, that was a, a great product for a lot of people. And also there were limitations with a 3D printed format. Um, of course, not yeah. everybody, yeah. It's, a, it's an acquired taste to have a 3D printed uh, object that you wear on your head because some people don't like the the rough hewn look of them other people find that it's very appealing and it's very neat um but yeah. the first uni looked like it was a 3d printed headphone um right it, it, it did not afford the opportunity to have um the kinds of uh padding on the on the ear band and the the, the same right. kinds of things that you would get from a a, a store-bought headphone and so um it's always been our intention to create a product that um looks a little bit more like what you would get on the shelf and um you know, feels like a, a headphone and looks right. to the outer world like a typical headphone that anybody right. else would wear. And that is the Uni V2, which is now uh, about to launch on Kickstarter. Nice. Awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I'm, uh, of course, uh, at the end of the episode, no, not at the end of the episode. Actually, we can do this right now. Um, first of all, where can people find it? And B, the second one is, of course, we're going to put the details in the links in the show notes so um if you have that already then you can of course um uh, send all of that, that those informations for me and then i will share them in the details to the show notes so people can actually check it out and also participate if they're interested oh that i would love that so if you go over to www.uniheadphones.com and uni is spelled y-u-n-i uniheadphones.com um, it will take you to our launch page, uh, sorry, our landing page, which will uh, take you straight, if you click it, to the Kickstarter page. Um, right. As of recording, the, uh, the Kickstarter is in a, the pre-launch phase where you uh, sign up via email to get a message as soon as the, as the uh, campaign launches. So if you're interested right now um, and the campaign is not launched yet, you can get that notification. If the uh, campaign is already launched by the time you hear this, you go straight over to the, uh, the Kickstarter page and, uh, and make a pledge. And we have uh, early bird pricing. Um, you know, that's a little bit uh, less yeah. than what we're normally going to charge uh, once the uni is awesome. out. And uh, 
yeah, and we have it all set up. We've got our overseas um, factory ready to uh, make the uni. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. And I know that's a big project. Um, and it, I, I love it, though, that it's like so niche and so specific, you know, like all the headphones company. Well, maybe they did have the idea before, but they say, like, look, the percentage of people with unilateral hearing loss is so low. So why would we do it? Uh, maybe we can get into that because I'm also interested in that. Like, what is the difference? What does my headphone do if I go into my phone, into accessibility, and I uh, sort of like switch it onto mono? And then also there's another setting um, in the phone for those who don't know that yet. Actually, something that I use all the time and probably a lot of people should too if they are concerned with their tinnitus. First of all, you can go into sounds and haptics and then you can go to headphone security and then you do want to set the avoidance of the loud uh, sounds when you are on the iPhone. On Android, that's a separate setting, but on the iPhone at least, you, there is a little slider and I suggest you slide it down to 80 to 85 decibels because that should be enough if you do a lot of headphone calls, if you do a lot of music, etc. That's the one thing. But the other thing that I actually wanted to ask you, Daniel, is if we go into accessibility... And I scroll down to audio visual, and then it says I can uh, put the balance to uh, the one side. So what does it do? Does it basically combine all the output into one speaker and just tries to sort of like audio compress it in the best sort of, or not best, but like at least most feasible option by sound processing and only outputting it one on one side with said interference, et cetera, that you, that you mentioned earlier on, or how does that work? Do you have, do you know that? Um, a little bit. So um, in terms, I mean, you, you basically got it right now. What I'm not sure of is uh, what goes on, um, if anything, to uh, to tweak the signal. Um, uh, my understanding okay. is that they it might just uh, dump um, both of those signals in. So it's so they're basically coming out of a single speaker. Right. So All it right. might just be as simple as that. Um, OK. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, App Apple is a very sophisticated company. They, they might have a little bit of uh, yeah. signal processing yeah. going on. Um, yeah. But that's essentially what it does, right? It, it puts right. them coming through a single speaker. And, you know, that's certainly fine. It's, um, it's uh, you know, something that a lot of people don't even know about. Um, yeah. And uh, if they do know about it, then um, it's still, it, it's cool. It's, it's basically as good as you can get without a uni, but it's, it's not the same thing as experiencing um, this kind of... Uh, semi-stereo sound that that the uni can produce right 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 um, right right and re so remember that um you know some something that uh some people have never experienced before if they have been um uh deaf sense birth in one ear would be this idea that when you hear a stereo piece of music it the sound can be all on the left or all on the right or somewhere in the middle based on how much it's balanced between the two stereo channels. And this is not something that, um, certainly not something you could replicate um, if you don't do any tweaking and you just put a regular headphone on, you're missing all that uh, signal in, in the ear that can't hear. But even if you put it into a, a mono uh, signal, like with the uh, solution you just mentioned, um, you still don't get that idea that um, sound can move from one channel to the other. And it's this uh. sense of space and the sense of apparent motion, um, which is called panning, where a sound goes from the left side of your head to the right side of your head, back and th forth through your head. Or if you have a uni, up and down from the top to the bottom. And it's a very neat sound if you are, um, uh, you know, if you're able to hear that. Nice. Okay, great. Very, very interesting. Because, I mean, of course, that's something for me that's absolutely impossible. And for someone who, as a child, uh, when I was in one room and my mother was in the other room and uh, I was like, 
uh, mom, where are you? And then she used to yell here. And I'd be like, well, that's not helpful at all because I have no idea what here means. For me, the sound is just all the same. I mean, the same in intensity right. because back then I had like perfect hearing on one on the one ear, but directional hearing is absolutely equal to zero. So for me, it was like, well, she screams here. That could be in the kitchen, but that could also be in the living room or that could also be uh, uh, in the entrance or something like that, which are all sort of like equally far away. So I could tell that the loudness was maybe from like three or four different places, but where actually it came from, no, absolutely no idea. I guess also yeah, you start to probably your your wife does know that as well. You you start to adopt these coping behaviors so that you like by definition look much more to the left or to the right when you cross the street, or that you're sort of like much more visual, like you're much more focused on vision. So for me, for example, I am I notice things and I see things with my eyes that often go unnoticed by most people that I'm around with. So my wife would be like, I'd be like, hey, did you see that? And she's like, no, what do you mean? And like, hey, did you see that? And he's like, no, what do you mean? And I was like, hey, did you see that? That you had to have seen. He's like, no, I didn't see that. You know, because you like yeah. my hearing is obviously terrible. So I have to rely more on my other senses. So therefore, I do rely much, much more on my uh, uh, my vision. And luckily, my vision is, is quite good. Yeah. yeah, You're very attuned to that. Um, yes, the, um, the, the sort of stereo or binaural localization um, is, of course, a, a, very, a real challenge if you've only got um, the, the one ear that can hear. Um, my guess would be um, if your uh, mother had been on one side of you and you knew which side she was coming from, but you didn't know where in a vertical plane she was, for example, is she on the, the fourth floor of an apartment building or the first, um, that might have been a little bit of an easier task, uh, which is the... Um, yeah the principle that the uni takes advantage of. Um, okay. There was something else that you said, which is uh, worth following up on, which is this idea that um, the uni is, um, is for a, uh, a niche audience and therefore the, um, even if a major headphone company had come up with this idea before, they might not have marketed it, they haven't marketed it. Um, and uh, that's certainly true. And at the same time, um, you know, number one, you could think about all the other applications for the uni Besides just unilateral hearing loss, for example, right. um, you know there are uh, plenty of DJs who uh, right. you know could benefit from having a stereo mix in the one ear while right. they have the other right. ear off of the other cup off of their ear. You could imagine people who are at work. Um, I've been in this situation before where I've been at work and I don't want to have music blaring in both ears because maybe someone's going to call my name and I need to. Right. I'd like to enjoy the music, but I want to keep an ear free. Um, right. You're you're exercising at the gym. Um, or you know you're uh, on a bicycle right and you want to make sure that you can hear the traffic there's all these different applications for right. somebody who can hear out of both ears there's also the idea of um you know unilateral hearing loss um you know might be a, a smaller segment of the population but then if you think about people who have some level of um unilateral uh hearing loss not total unilateral hearing loss and single-sided deafness then you you're opening up to a whole lot more people imagine somebody who has 80 percent hearing in one ear and you know maybe 20 percent hearing in the other ear and maybe they would prefer to use a headphone in their better ear so they can hear the, the full music um, and then you're talking a lot of people you're talking um seven or eight percent of people who have some kind of um unilateral hearing loss and if you go to, um, you know, look up uh, headphones in a in a big box store, or you go to you know some of the uh, the boutique headphone uh, websites, um, and you look at all the options, they're mind blowing. There's thousands and thousands of different types of headphones, yeah, true. and not That's a true. single one 
for yeah, this huge group of people who really need this. Um, yeah, and when yeah, you think yeah. about it that way, it's like, well, okay. So you've got, you know, this, this headphone that's made out of whatever uh, teak or, or, you know, whatever kind of wood, you know, exotic um, kind of wood that, you know, sort of uh, is high fidelity and you've got this and that and the other thing. Um, it, it does become a little bit more mysterious as to why nobody's thought to really cater to this uh, segment in a big way in any of the major headphone uh, companies. Yeah. And um, it's very interesting because I just also went into the sound settings and I figured out that, yes, of course, you can, uh, even on the MacBook, when my MacBook is connected to um, my headphones in the sound settings, I can set them. And it was set uh, to the balance completely to the right. But actually, uh, I don't notice that big of a difference. And something that I wanted to get into and that I found very interesting is, for example, into applications of people with tinnitus. Because if we say that people with tinnitus you know, one of the biggest direct causal links for tinnitus is still uh, hearing loss. And if people do have that hearing loss in one or in both ears and tinnitus in one or in both ears, then it might be an added benefit to be able to consume audio um, with a stereo setting in just one ear, because A, maybe it might be pretty like it might sound much clearer and it might, might sound much nicer for the purpose of, uh, well, some kind of sound therapy as it relates to to uh, getting used to your tinnitus, getting accustomed with your tinnitus a little bit better, or to even say, well, okay, well, the one ear uh, is a write-off. Uh, now I uh, I know at least that I can still continue to enjoy some stereo sound using that uh, uni headphone. And just put that on the other ear, basically, right? So maybe that is an, an, a, a scope of application as well. Have you have you thought about that? Yeah, I, as soon as um, uh, we were connected to each other, I realized that uh, this is another um, segment of uh, of people who would really benefit from this, you know. And I'd like to think about um, the uni as not simply being for people with with hearing loss, but that's initially what it was designed for. And, nice. um, you know, I view the, the tinnitus community as uh, just a kind of a, a related, um, you know, segment of the population who really would also have the same need. You know, a lot of people I hear uh, in music in, a, in as good a way as possible, given the, um, the hand of cards that they're dealt. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode of the Uttering Tinnitus podcast. I just want to alert you to the fact that we have a new audiobook style guide to habituation in our community platform. You know, it's not only a community platform, it's also a platform where I share online courses that are designed to combine the best practices and everything that I have learned in working with people from all over the world over the past four to five years. I've worked with hundreds of individuals helping them to manage their tinnitus in the absolute best way possible. And I have combined that work into online courses, weekly videos, a lot of sessions that you can go through. So if you access that under www.mytinnitus.club, there are all these goodies for you right there. And if you have 20 minutes in total, that is how long the audiobook style guide to habituation takes. That's a short and sus to a concise guide that you can use on the go to set your mind into the right place in order to tackle tinnitus head on to understand your tinnitus properly and to really start learning and managing your tinnitus in a way that it will stop bothering you constantly. Here's a very short and good reminder from one of the community members. Her name is Sophia and she shares a little bit of an experience of what uh, being on the community has been like for her. So let's give a shout out to Sophia. 
um, I've had tinnitus for four years now. And it's just that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in the, my tinnitus club. It's just having that support there. Like when I first got tinnitus, I, I felt totally on my own and I didn't know who to turn to. And, and, and that was the scary thing. But now that there's like, I've joined this club, I feel habituated, but I've still joined the club because I, you still need that support and you still need to talk and be with people who understand exactly what you're going through and what you're feeling and, and thinking and stuff like that. So, you know, my recommendation would be to be in a group because it's so good just to have that, have, just, just to have that back up there when you need it. Okay, so thank you, Frida. You can sign up, join the community, do all the coursework and see how much it helps you already. No need to join all the regular community events if that's not for you, if you don't want to get on there with other people and share, no problem at all. But make sure to benefit from the offer of taking all these different courses because I know it will help help you to habituate to your tinnitus and focus on the things that most matter in your life again. Thank you very much and let's get back into the podcast episode. Enjoy. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think, and this is fantastic, uh, again, people can go to uniheadphones.com, um, subscribe to the campaign, uh, check it out as soon as it launches, be aware that it exists. And if you want your part in the project, go to um, yuniheadphones.com um, and uh, you'll be informed when the Kickstarter launches. You can be one of the first people to participate. Um, certainly fantastic to have you on the podcast here today, Daniel. Um, I wanted to segue just very quickly. Um, of course, you're here to talk about the uni headphone, but I have so many more top interesting topics to discuss with you because as you mentioned before, and just briefly before we got into the podcast conversation, you mentioned that you're also a therapist and you work with people with uh, also hearing uh, disabilities like misophonia and maybe hyperacusis, maybe tinnitus. Um, and uh, you work a little bit um, also with uh, confrontation uh, uh, techniques and methodologies could you could you speak to that just a little bit I, I I know that you're on the call today for the headphones but I think this is very very interesting as well so I want to give it maybe five to ten minutes to talk about this as well if you if you're interested if you want if you can say I'd love to of course um yes so uh I'm a psychotherapist and I do a lot of work with anxiety disorders and one of the main gold standard treatments for anxiety disorders certainly not the only one but but one of the big ones that uh, we do is exposure therapy, um, sometimes called exposure with response prevention when you're talking about specific forms of anxiety. And you know, very simply, uh, it's just what it sounds like. Uh, when people have anxiety disorders, they typically try to distance themselves from particular experiences, emotional experiences or real world experiences. And um, if they can't avoid those experiences, they might do some kind of um, emotion-driven behavior motion-driven response yeah, to uh, to try to cope with it. Um, yeah. Now, what that does in the brain is, uh, in the short term, it provides some temporary relief from yeah. the uh, from the stressor. Um, in the long term, what it does is it doesn't allow your, your brain to learn, oh, that thing is not a threat anymore, right? Your right. brain assumes, well, you, you did some response. For example, imagine somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder um, who washes their hands um, you know, every time they, they touch a surface. Um, they can touch the surface and they can bring up the feeling and that's the exposure part, but without preventing that response of prolonged and repeated hand-washing, um, they don't get any better because the brain on some level, remember you have a, a conscious brain that knows, eh, maybe there's not that many germs here. And then sort of the, the emotional part of the brain that does this really is not uh, convinced that um, you know, you're safe. Yeah. And the brain thinks, 
well, it's okay now. I feel better because I wash my hands and therefore right. I don't have to get used to touching things. Yeah. And that's what the yeah. brain does. And so um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great uh, form of therapy. It's not nearly as um, easy to get exposure therapy as it should be given how effective it is. Um, and, yeah. and really how straightforward it is to learn how to do yeah. it. Um, so, yeah. you know, here's my call to the mental health community um, to, uh, to embrace this as a, uh, you know, as a intervention that, that you train in and, and provide to more people. And if you have any form of um, anxiety disorder, feel free to, uh, to look for exposure therapy because it is very effective and it tends to be a, uh, a gradual exposure to the, um, the distress. And so it's not usually something that, um, you know, uh, we you do any more than flood yeah. you exactly. Yeah. There, there, there's yeah. sort of older forms of therapy, uh, and certainly that yeah. does yeah. work if if it's um, done in, in the right way. But it is it can be very distressing, and so we don't have to engage in flooding anymore. Um, yeah. And the way that this um, uh, came about in our in the conversation in the virtual green room is that um, misophonia is the uh, extreme sensitivity to particular sounds. Um, in a way that brings up uh, anxiety or distress, like emotional distress. Now, you most often see this with the sound of chewing and other people, um, you know, just when, when someone chews and eats, it, it yeah. brings up a huge yeah. amount of distress in some people, yeah. Um, yeah. but it can be yeah. other, yeah. other sounds as well. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that I have a huge amount of experience with, but it, th there have been a few people that I've worked with who have that um, sort of presenting uh, symptom along with the other kinds of anxiety that I'm working on. And the evidence shows that um, exposure therapy for mesophonia has, um, I would say, you know, mixed uh, empirical support, meaning that, you know, sometimes it is effective, but it seems like we haven't really gotten the, uh, the best intervention um, down yet. This is a fairly recent um, kind of uh, line of research that we gotten into to try to figure out what the, yep. the best yep. form of therapy is so there's different yep. kinds of um sort of yep. things that, that people have tried now i've done right. exposure with people and, and found it to be uh, effective for you know right. mild to moderate misophonia um that right. would look like sitting down at a uh, at a computer for example um bringing up an asmr video online and, and listening to somebody eat and yeah. and critically the response prevention part now they've they've heard plenty of people eat but think about the emotion-driven response that somebody does right, if right, they right, have right, misophonia, right? Right. Um, right? They might roll their eyes. They might clench their fists. They, they, they might do something with their body. They're, they might be tensing right. up. So like they physical might tension, that like that stress response, the body is in fight or flight saying like, hey, either we like running away or we're standing to fight because there's something going on that we really don't like right here. Right, exactly. Yeah. They, they might talk, say to the other person in the room, can you stop it? That's disgusting. Or can yeah, you please yeah. leave the room? All of these count yeah. as emotion-driven responses. And again, yeah. what the brain is doing is it's not adjusting to get used to these uh, these sounds because it's yeah. thinking, well, there's a danger, and yeah. the, the you know my host, the person, is taking care of the danger for me. So I don't have yeah. uh, look. This this might be a real danger. So I should not adjust and get better. That's what the brain right. is, is doing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, what I would typically do is I would have somebody sit there and listen to the the um, the sounds and making sure. Then this is the critical part, you know, that their body is relaxed. It looks like it's relaxed. Now you can feel the tension inside all you want. You can't help that. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the idea of any kind of exposure therapy is if you look relaxed and act relaxed, then eventually your brain 
recognizes, oh, this isn't a threat. I don't have to activate the React sympathetic that nervous system. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And, and, yep. and it will start down-regulating, yep. changing yep. Uh, neurotransmitters yep. and receptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then that feeling comes in. Okay, actually, we are safe, so we don't need this uh, coping mechanism any longer. And I, I like to, and I, I've done this a lot on on this podcast already. Brought the example of uh, tinnitus versus spider phobia treatment, where you say like you go um, uh, into treatment here in Europe, we have no dangerous spiders whatsoever. So if you're listening from Australia, maybe that doesn't apply to you, but uh, here in Europe, it des- des- certainly d- does apply. And you sit down with a therapist for the first f- uh, four, six, seven sessions and you absolutely freak out and there's a spider sitting in the corner of the room and the sixth seventh session you like slowly start to to doubt your reaction because a the therapist and everyone else tells you there are no dangerous spider in this part of the world b the spider hasn't moved for about uh, a few hours and c you're slowly starting to see hey well this reaction is only going on inside of me and so you're basically learning like okay well this coping mechanism or that response mechanism that i'm using here is maybe a little bit misguided now for tinnitus i often say it's a little bit more difficult because uh, the tinnitus is not like something you can't remove yourself out of the room and, and just get away from the spider technically but the tinnitus is a little bit more subtle sometimes it's more bothersome sometimes it's less bothersome but if you can start learning experiencing that this um this coping mechanism of behavior with this emotional emotional reaction that when you hear the tone when you think about it in a certain way and then these emotions display themselves in your body you're confirming to yourself that you are actually dealing with a very big problem that you should probably get rid of because it's making you feel very bad it's making you feel anxious it's making you feel upset uh, some people even get panic attacks in, in certain variations. And of course, in that sense, you reconfirming over and over again. And as it's a stimulus that for many people is there 24 seven, you get the constant confirmation that you're dealing with a massive problem here. So you are constantly going into this overdrive mode and it's very, very difficult for you to come come out of that, right? And so what 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 I try, try to do in a sense, and I, I don't know, I don't really have a, a term for that. And I guess it would fall into a little bit of exposure, but also into this acceptance commitment part. But, that, but, but what I try to do is, I try to look at a certain belief system that people have of when they first started dealing with tinnitus and how that basically translates into the relational and into the response and how they still relate to that tinnitus and say like, Oh my gosh, what if my tinnitus gets worse and I, I, I I can't sleep for another week. Like I used to when it, when I first got tinnitus and these kind of things. Right. And then saying like, Hey, actually the, 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 the smallest thing that you can do right now is simply to be present, letting the anxiety unfold, letting everything to be there, and then slowly but steadily experiencing that it's 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 going away again. And every single time you practice it, so I, I like to call it the ACT key. So I try to give people um, a, a version of thought so that it can basically trigger the fact of um, uh, the the sort of more rational part of the brain go, coming into the review process and saying like, hey, what's actually going on in this situation? Am I really just responding to a lion sitting outside of my cage waiting to eat me? Or is it literally nothing's wrong with me? As you say, when the body's calm and you can simply say like, okay, the anxiety washes over me and then it's gone again. The more often I do that, the more often I can confirm that everything is okay in these moments and the less also the relational anxiety with tinnitus becomes. I know that's a little bit like tricky for some people who might listen to um, the first time to this podcast, but um, it is something that I've had very, very good success with over the years. And I've tailored sort of my own, my own program to my own liking, and I've had good success rates. And, and it's something that I also love to share, share in my online community. But what is your, 
what is your thought? Do you think it's dangerous if, if someone like a coach uses these techniques and applies them onto people with their individual cases with tinnitus? Or you think it's something that actually is very, very beneficial that we see uh, coaches uh, popping out of here and there? Um, what is your personal uh, experience as a as a therapist? Because absolutely, it can be controversial, right? That's why we have this podcast. So if you have controversial uh, thoughts about that, actually hit me with it. <laughs> okay. No, I, I happen to love it. I think that, you know, basically what you're doing is very uh, consistent with cognitive behavioral therapy approaches. Right. But yes. I don't think that, you know, you're um, providing therapy to someone in a way that would be problematic, right? You're just using the tools, you know, yes. and the tools are um, generally useful tools. Um, if it were up to me, um, you know, these tools would be taught um, in schools from a very young age because, you know, they're yeah, you know, some for sure they're as important yeah. as, you know, knowing a lot of the, the yeah. academic things that we have to learn yeah. in school. Some people would say more, yeah. more important. I'm not going to get into that debate, but would say, essentially yeah. what you're describing is yeah. um, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we call it an appraisal um, or, you know, it's, it's also called a judgment or some people call it an interpretation or uh, meaning making. But what you're describing is the sense that, that we make out of anything that happens. So if you think about, we don't get upset about things that happen. We get upset about the way we think about things that yeah. happen. So something yeah. happens in the world. We get a piece of yeah. news or somebody says yeah. something to us or we have a thought yeah. in our heads or we have a sensory experience. Right. And yeah. then before we have an emotional reaction, we very quickly ascribe Evaluate. an automatic yeah. appraisal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This automatic yeah. evaluation yeah. of the thing. And yeah. that's the thing that you're changing when you describe uh Yep. You know the, the work that you do, and that's the same thing I do, right? So you have a feeling, yep. you have a, a sense, you have an emotion, and yep. um, somebody uh, speaks to you in a certain way that you don't like, your automatic appraisal might be, oh my gosh, what a jerk. I can't believe that this person said this to me. Like, who does he think he yeah, is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay because it's automatic. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, but uh, what we try to uh, you know do in, in, it sounds like, in our respective um, uh, fields is create some flexibility in the way you think and to say, okay, what's another possibility? What's another way I could think about this thing? And yeah. another way to think about it is hey, maybe this person didn't mean to come off in that, in that way. They just sort of said something without thinking, or um, maybe they uh, have had just had the worst day of their life and they're not in yeah. a great mood and they would absolutely be mortified um, yeah. on any other day by saying the thing they said. Right? And when you are able to think in a flexible way, you can stop yourself from immediately reacting and you yeah. could say, okay, well, maybe there's a few different ways to think about this. And when you have yeah. those other options of how to think yeah. about things, yeah. it feels yeah. a little bit better. And then over time, you could actually make the automatic way of thinking the more productive one, the more useful, the one that makes you uh, able to function better. And that's yeah. what it sounds like uh, you do. And, and that's what it sounds like like I do in, in a whole lot yeah. of different uh, yeah. uh, kinds of yeah. contexts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different, difficult to convey to people because they actually think like, oh, but it won't, it won't cure me and it won't get rid of that thing that I'm experiencing. And it's so difficult, but I am, what, what I'm saying, and, and you're probably familiar with the term that people say habituation is where your brain knows that it no longer needs to um, actively and consciously react and look for tinnitus in the way, right? Because with the tinnitus, of course, often comes this awareness of hearing. I, I don't, it's probably not related to misophonia, but it might be the similar kind of thing that uh, when fight or flight is invoked, then we get a lot more focused on things. So I've had uh, people um, in my coachings right now who, who, who say to me like, hey, um, additionally to the tinnitus, I'm super sensitive of sounds. It's like sort of like I even have, sometimes I feel like I have superhuman hearing. I'm like, yes, well, probably because that anxiety mechanism and that anxiety that you're experiencing 
and as it pertains to your hearing and your tinnitus, is making you very much more aware of your sense of hearing than it used to be before. Because before, I mean, you were not a, 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 a musician by choice. You are not someone who always has to do with sound. These people are naturally much more attuned to their ears in a way which I am much more attuned to my eyes because my ears are not great. So you need to understand that you're probably that kind of sort of like a condition fixation on the tinnitus, bringing this heightened awareness in your sense of hearing. And therefore also this sort of like, we could describe it. Some people have very light sleep. I'm someone I have very light sleep when there's a sound. It's kind of like, I think it's like kind of, unfortunately, the most tragic thing. Um, my hearing is terrible, but when there's a sound of night, I'm immediately awake. So it's like quite, quite tragic, right? You would say like, well, at least you have bad hearing and that you probably sleep very soundly, pun intended. But actually I don't. So when there's like a little sound, I get up, I, I wake up very quickly. But it could also be that since my hearing is so bad, subconsciously somewhere there is this kind of thought like, okay, is there, if there is something, I have to wake him up because we know that he doesn't hear well. So maybe he's missing something, you know? So we don't know that. But we do know that the more our brain leans into that and the more it focuses that, the more we have that automatic reaction going on that we described early on already, where you relate to, automatically relate to certain things, ascribe certain meanings, and then get the corresponding emotion. So when you then feel the whole construct, it is presented to you as one of the biggest problems and challenges that you are experiencing right now. But if you solve that and if you give yourself the, the the space to know, well, I mean, it's sound. Yes, of course, at the start, it is distressing. And at the start, it can be quite new to you. And therefore, well, you might be used to silence, whatever silence is, because there is, if we really, if we really look at it, uh, there's no real place where there's always silent and uh, not in nature, not inside. There's always some level of sound. So when we start to re-relate to that, and we can say it's fine that we don't constantly need to obsess about this. Then, and this is 100%, and in case of tinnitus, I would say possible because I'm deaf on one ear. My other ear has a hearing aid. And I can, if I want to, focus on my tinnitus all the time. But often the brain is so amazingly able to compensate when I'm focusing on other things. I don't hear my tinnitus, at least not consciously, mm. right? Because it's not triggering that reflex where I know, okay, it's, it's, it's sort of kind of a conditioned respond to the sound, but now I've been, I've been talking on and on and on and on. And that, that's something that everyone can find out in our community or um, on my website. Of course, everyone knows where to, where to reach me and where to check out that stuff. But yeah, uh, Daniel, anything else you want to want to share about uh, this topic before we take a little bit of a final round over the uni headphone and, and bring this episode to a close? Uh, I suppose um, just, you know, the thing you were just talking about just got me thinking about the idea of habituation and, um, you know, very easy for someone in my position to say, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to make any specific statements, but certainly in a general sense, um, yeah. our brain does habituate to things when we don't um, pay them too much attention anymore, when we treat them as a, as a non-threat instead of a threat. And the yeah. reason why is, is fairly straightforward. You know, most, um, uh, and more complex vertebrates have this same thing of habituation where, um, you know, imagine if a, if a fish um, in a pond um, sees a new thing that's just fallen into the pond, like, uh, you know, somebody throws right. a big rock into the, into the pond right. and now there's a rock there and the, and the fish is afraid of it at first and then uh, starts to recognize that the rock is not a threat. Now, it doesn't right. make any sense for the fish to be um, continuously sort of terminally yes. yeah, afraid right. of this rock right. anymore right. because right. – 
you know, there is a bigger fish in the pond that could eat that fish. And, and it's going right. to be very important for the right. brain to habituate to the rock so that it Love can it. focus on the right things. Now, the exact same thing happens in any of the um, sorts of uh, work that I do and, and, and indeed the work that you do um, where um, your brain will habituate to something if you don't uh, view it as a threat for that exact same reason. We have the same capacity that the little guppy in the pond has um, to uh, sort of uh, adjust to a thing once we've deemed it as not a threat. And it really is all in our appraisal. So, um, you know, hopefully that might help somebody out there in terms of, you know, kind of the, um, the things that uh, are, are bothering them. But I would like to uh, urge anybody that's listening that has any um, particular things that they've struggled with for a while to, um, to please uh, seek therapy. It's easier now than ever before to get therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are many um, online uh uh, sort of opportunities to connect with a yep. therapist. You don't have to leave the house. You don't have yep. to worry about uh, privacy or anything like yep. that um, yep. or scheduling. Um, so yep. I just wanted to uh, just put in a plug uh, for the power of therapy. It really does work. And if you've had a bad experience with therapy, I would like you to um, consider the possibility that maybe it just wasn't the right fit. And right. Um, maybe some people have three therapists in a row who have not been the right fit, but therapy yep. in and of itself, we know from the research does work no matter what kind you get. Um, some yep. kinds are better than others for particular presenting issues, but yep. it, it is a thing that's, uh, you know, that, that, that can make a huge difference when you have the right fit. So I'd like to just yep. put that plug out there for mental health yep. in general. Yeah. Love it. Um, very, very, very important. And I, of course, uh, say that to people as well. Um, anything that goes beyond coaching, I'm not your guy, but uh, a, a supplemental uh, therapy is something that I'm a big advocate for. I did uh, psychotherapy uh, for three years myself. Um, I, I still would not consider myself done, but that's certainly as much as the German health insurance paid for uh, at the time. And I, I did a, a fairly intense one as well, um, uh, two times a week for three years. Um, well, not all the time because sometimes we're on holiday, therapist on holiday, on so on and so forth. But I would say it's like absolutely useful. I'm I'm a, I'm a big advocate not only for uh, people relating differently to hearing aids, right? I'm 30, I'm 33 this year, and I've had a hearing aid since I was 19, and they are not these big flashy uh, grandpa kind of things more as they were, um, because it's a super. It's equally important that you hear well than to see well. We know that um, non-treated hearing loss is can lead to early onset dementia, for example, because your brain is just getting simply less and less input. So no one would uh, go get the idea, everyone gets the idea that you don't walk around outside with your glasses or your contacts because you might just cross the street, not see the truck and that's it, you're gone. So with hearing, everyone thinks, ah, you know, these hearing aids, they're optional. Maybe, you know, I can still hear that person well. Maybe I don't hear the TV well anymore because I, and I pump up the volume. It's just the high frequencies. I can't hear the birds anymore. But what we tend to forget is that we only hear 50%. It gets much more difficult for our brain to extract sounds. Our brains, we get much more tired much earlier on. And there's a lot of information actually missing. And in the end, that is detrimental to our health. So my 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 pledge here, equally as yours, is uh, uh, for hearing health in general and to say, hey, you know, it's not these old fleshy things anymore. And uh, in the same vein that therapy is not for people who are um, who have complete major psychological disorder. Well, of course, it is for them as well, but it is for everybody and everybody can benefit from therapy. And it's not this thing like 50 years ago, we said, well, something's wrong with that person if he goes to therapy. No, so something more or less is wrong with every single person on this planet. 
no person is 100% completely psychologically healthy, probably, right? Some people are more healthy, some people are less healthy, and some people have better coping behavior behaviors, and some people have less good coping behaviors. And it can be beneficial for everyone if they're going through a time where you're saying, you know, you're not yourself, and it's a little bit more tricky um, to really seek out the help of a professional therapist and, and maybe someone who is even more experienced in, in, in sort of like all kinds of different ranges um, of, of ailments, uh, uh, not just in, in as it pertains to to tinnitus is in my case so uh, I, I i wanted to put that out as well because i think it's super important that people keep that in mind that it's it's important to watch out for all kinds of parts of you not your only for your ears but also for your psyche yeah for sure absolutely um thank you so much for um inviting me to be on here today um i'm really hoping that uh, if anyone's um you know interested in in the uni um, if they have any more questions, um, they can find us on Facebook, uh, Uni Headphones on Facebook. You can go to uniheadphones.com, um, find the website there. Uh, there's contact information. And um, yeah, if anyone's interested, please uh, you know, check us out on Kickstarter. Um, we uh, our, our production run um, depends on our Kickstarter being successful. So I hope that um, anyone listening to this who's interested or who knows somebody who has um, uh, a possible use for the uni, um could uh share it and um and yeah um thanks again Frida. Uh, absolutely absolutely um i think it's 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 amazing what you guys do thank you for doing what you do um i'm gonna stay uh up to date and maybe you can do another uh episode as soon as you guys launch as soon as you have any news to share etc um I, I thought it was super super helpful and super interesting and well, you know, maybe in future we'll we'll not only pick your brain for the uni, but again for all the the knowledge that you have in the therapy space, because I I enjoyed that conversation a lot as well. Um, just to quickly yeah. mention that again, uh, the it's uh, www.yuni and then headphones.com. You can find all the information about the uh, launch of the uni v2, the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, get the latest news there. But uh, I'm going to put the links in the show notes to this episode again. And um, yeah, thank you. I I, I love the uh, the fish metaphor. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I'm gonna make a small cut with that because you know being 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 the being the guppy to to know that you can recondition the amount of danger that you ascribe to stimulus is something that mm. we can all use. Whether it's someone um, cutting us off in traffic and it basically spoils our day, uh, and it doesn't have to. Or um, the way we relate to something, someone saying something hurtful, but we don't know that they've actually had a very, very tragic thing happening in their family. So I think it's like we, we got to give ourselves a break. We got to be nice to each other, especially as uh, the events around the world are getting more hectic for the first time in the last, let's say, few decades, maybe even. Um, and yeah, I think that was a, a nice, a very, very nice conversation. Certainly enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and sorry for talking so much, Daniel. I just, I don't know. I talk a lot. I guess that's why I have a it was my It was my pleasure. Uh, you had great things to say. And, uh, and uh, I'd love to do it again sometime. Thank you, Daniel. Then have a fantastic day. And uh, we'll have you on here soon again. Bye-bye. Okay, appreciate it. Bye. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode on the Ottering Tinnitus podcast. I hope you uh, very, very much enjoyed it. Um, I'm bringing you and uh, thinking of you with a lot of sun and warm and hot weather here from uh, Cartagena, Colombia. Um, I think the guys of the Uni Headphones do absolutely fantastic work and I'm sure that Daniel will be back on the podcast. Uh, we have so much more topics to cover. I thought the fish analogy of how habituation can work um, is very, very important, especially because considering that if you become habituated to your tinnitus, that can finally be 
the way for you to cure those uh, recurring cycles of negative emotions and anxiety, etc. And um, yeah, I would like to help you with that. So you know what to do. Go to www.mytinnitus.club and sign up for an absolute free two weeks trial. You will find all my absolute best resources in order for you to help recognize that the rock is not dangerous. The rock being tinnitus. Please don't sue me, Dwayne The Rock. I love your movies. Um, but yes, I hope you enjoyed this episode and there's going to be another one coming out very soon. I have lots of very, very interesting science-based episodes out there. Um, soon a episode with a somatic tinnitus researcher who's an expert on how to manage tinnitus caused by problems of the jaw and neck. All right, guys, I hope it's uh, been a good one for you. Enjoy it and speak to you very soon. All right, bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time.